Hello and welcome to the Over the Barricade podcast. I am your host, Ryan Downing, joined as always by my partner in crime, as it were. He is the deadliest catch, Lee Brando. Lee, can you hello. hear me? I think you said hello, but I was still talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, um, the one day where I'm like, I'm excited to come do the show, and it should be a good one. I'm excited, ready to go. Lee Brando needs to bring his best. He couldn't even manage to bring himself. Well, that's not fair. Okay. <laughs> that's You're the was, one who planned. I misplanned. I lack of planned. I the opposite of planned. I Did you was just say, I the opposite of planned? Yes. I was ready to drive to your humble abode. And to Cheap Seat Studios? To Cheap Seat Studios, yes. And then I remembered that it is my very good friend and roommate's 21st birthday. Now, if it were his 22nd birthday or 23rd birthday or 20th birthday, any of those surrounding numbers, I would probably have been like, eh, okay. But 21's a big deal. It's probably the last big birthday you have. So I have wow. to uh, be there depressing. for that. And there's a added bonus that I don't have to wear pants and we can do the podcast. So there's that. Are we supposed to lie and tell people that, uh, that you normally wear pants? Yes, Ryan. <laughs> a fave. <laughs> um, so it's your day, Ryan. We haven't, uh, we haven't had our usual, pre-episode chit-chat so we still we have to get that out of the way real quick so but we're gonna actually do it in the episode this time yeah why not because <laughs> maybe the people would rather hear about you wrestling for uh, rampage pro wrestling over the weekend oh yeah i mean we could talk about that too um that's called a segue always... so let's get going that's a good segue i feel like our audio is not matching up so if i talk over you uh, pay no mind I will try to avoid it as necessary and as possible. <laughs> okay, so um, Saturday, Saturday, I was in Dover, Delaware. I didn't sleep the night before until 9.30 a.m., and I won't explain why. But I had to get up and go to Dover, Delaware and wrestle, and I was very tired, and I was very sore. But it all worked out, and I ended up... Uh, Ended up wrestling a guy named Eric Chappell, who uh, quit the wrestling business right after the match. Uh, got certified as a paramedic or EMT. I'm not sure what the difference is, but they get really mad when you mix it up. And uh, you, he could, you could see him on uh, Monday Night Raw, helping out a beaten and brat- uh, battered uh, Roman Reigns uh, unsuccessfully trying to strap him to a uh, gurney and letting him basically die at the hands of Braun Strowman. So that's the career path of my opponent from Saturday night, uh, Eric Chappell. Now, um, to be fair, an EMT's job isn't to get in front of the semi to stop somebody from getting hurt it's to help them once the semis hit them and then flipped over their ambulance huh 
Well, you know, I don't know what the recourse will be on Braun Strowman. Well, but well, given that given that Roman is dead, and dead. that we have determined that Eric Chapel is a bad EMT. He's the word. That's the name of the episode. Eric Chapel is a bad uh, EMT. Sure. <laughs> um, yes, we've determined all this. Uh, it was interesting, though. I had no idea that my match with him, I would have been, I would have put such a beating on him that he would just entirely quit the wrestling business. But if he ever wants to come back, which there's rumors that he's going to come back at Rampage Pro Wrestling's next show, which is in early May, I'll be waiting for him. Because I, I, uh, I don't have, uh, I'm, I have unfinished business with him. I don't know if the video of the match is up yet, but when it comes up, I'm going to put it out on social media so that everyone can see the atrocity that was the end of that match where I clearly kick out of a uh, uh, reverse DDT at two. It may have been two and eight ninths, but it was two and not three. And the ref called for the bell. Now, I don't know who this referee is. Clearly a lifelong diehard Eric Chapel mark. And that's okay. But... When it comes to being a referee, you should have to officiate down the middle. That's what I think. Well, that would be the assumption that that's what would happen. But, I mean, I have not seen it. I've seen clips, but I have not seen the the match in its entirety. What did you think of the clips that you saw, uh, Ryan? I saw two. I couldn't... I can't really remember one, but the other one, which I do remember, which we shared to the uh, Over the Barricade podcast Facebook page, facebook.com slash barricade show, involved catching one Lee Brando catching said Eric Chappell out of midair and then catching him with a big boot. That's true. Uh, Eric Chappell thought he uh, could take me down. He's not quite as... As large as I am, I say I would say he's about 230 pounds, um, and he tried to do a uh, springboard crossbody, uh, thinking that that would be enough to take a man like myself down. Was not. Spoiler alert. I catch him. I throw him up on my shoulder like he's nothing. I snake eyes him. I give him a snake eyes. I don't know the proper uh, English there. And I run off and I give him a big boot and knock his hat off. Now, you might think that that was the finish of the match, but it wasn't. Again, this referee, slow count when I'm trying to pin Eric Chappell, fast count when Eric Chappell's trying to pin me, and even counting a three when I kicked out at two. So, you know, I don't know who this referee is. He should never work again. If, uh, if I had it my way, he should never work again. And that's a shoot, but it is what it is. But maybe he has a family to feed. Like, everyone, everyone's allowed to have an honest mistake. I don't care if you have a family to feed. That means you get a job and you work your hardest to be the best at that job. If, you're, if he is trying his hardest to be a referee to feed his family, then social services should go and pick up his family ASAP because it's not going to go well for him. I'm not entirely sure if that's completely how social services works but 
I guess I can see your point. You get the picture, and that's all that matters. I don't even know his name. Um, but again, that's not important. He's I, Maybe he's trying to go into business for himself, get the attention put on him. I don't know. I know I put such a beating on Eric Chappell that he had to leave Dover, leave Delaware, drive all the way up to New York, and his first day on the job as an EMT, couldn't even do that well and let Roman Reigns die. That's my, uh, that's my opinion on it. I've also, got, um, I've also got this guy bugging me. His name's Mitch Ballin. You may have heard of him. I think you saw him at the Baltimore Championship Wrestling Show. Is, is Mitch Ballin, isn't he the gentleman who, uh, who has a special relationship with his ring bell, Mel? He does. He, uh, he's, he's in love with this bell, and I just can't stand it. And I've had enough of it. And uh, see, I think the, th- the thing where it boils down is I tried to make a mockery of it. But it turns out Mel's got the hots for me. So, you know, that's a whole other can of worms. And we'll be talking about that a lot in the upcoming uh, episodes. But, you know, stay tuned for that. The world of wrestling is crazy. It's, 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 it's absolutely insanity. Everybody in the wrestling business is insane. You either get into the wrestling business because you're insane or the wrestling business drives you insane if you went into it as a normal person. Now, I like to say that I've kept my sanity, but sometimes things irk me. Sometimes things drive me to places that I don't really want to go, and I feel like I'm getting torn that way. But, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. uh, Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's a good story, a little road story for the – for the one listener that we have. Hi, Let's Killian. See. Hi, Killian. Uh, this week, you'll be uh, you'll be happy that we're talking about more independent wrestling than uh, than than uh, Major League. Um, oh, I, I I know what I want to say. I have a few things I gotta say. If if you'll allot me the time, uh, good sir. Uh, we do have the the superstar shakeup to talk about uh, a little later on, but as is our normal format, by all means, you have you have cur- creative control over the first part of the episode to uh, enlighten us with stories from the road or uh, recent adventures in the ring, what have you. So, uh, please, my friend, go ahead. This is just this is just a little opinion of mine. And it could very well be wrong, and it might very well be wrong, but I feel I need to express it because this is, uh, this is how I get things out. And halfway through, I might realize that I'm wrong, but we'll see. The end of the Rampage Pro Wrestling show was a, I don't know, 20-man battle royal or something like that. Big battle royal. What I saw in the battle royal was disturbing to say the least. And this, we're going to peel the onion back like we usually do every now and again on the Over the Barricade podcast. There was a lot of guys in that battle royal, and I'm not trying to single anybody out, and it could have, could have been they've been having a bad day. There was a lot of guys in the battle royal that were doing things that you don't do in a battle royal. So I don't know if they were untrained, I don't know if they were backyarders. I don't know if this was their first time out. Do you have some or, examples? 
Yeah, I have some examples. Uh, I believe somebody, first off, when you're in a battle royal, unless you're the last three, four, five guys, you shouldn't be taking bumps. It is extremely dangerous to take a bump in a ring with 20 guys that are all doing their own thing. They're, it's just very dangerous. The, the accuracy of which you have to land to protect yourself is clouded. There's a very small margin, small margin, not margin, of error. I can't believe it's not a bump. A very good rhyme. <laughs> um, plus, what you're doing in that ring, nobody's going to see. We talked about it uh, in the interview with Killian. When there's 20 guys around you, you're not going to be able to see what's happening in the center of the ring. Now, so we had guys bumping. We had guys coming off uh, doing uh, springboards into the ring. We had guys doing slams where they weren't protected. And look, this is not a, an attack on independent wrestling because if you watched Monday Night Raw this week, there were multiple, I think more than five, slams or strikes that legitimately looked lethal or could have been lethal. Uh, but luckily, everyone's okay. Did you see the Nia Jack Charlotte match, for example? Yes, I was actually going to ask you specifically about that match at some point during this episode. Right, we'll get to that. But so I'm just picking up. So, if guys, if you're going into a battle royal, you know, and I'm not, I'm not by any means a veteran. I'm, I'm, you know, coming up on four years in the business. That's not a long time. But if you're in a battle royal. The object of the battle royal is to get over whoever is winning the battle royal. If you are the first to 10th guy out of a 20-man battle royal, you don't mean anything. And that's not saying you as a person or you as your whole career don't mean anything, but you've been hired to do a role, and I've been in this role. You've been hired to do a role that does not mean anything. So you need to play your part. Now, yes, are there times that you try to go outside the box and try to get over? Of course, but you don't do it at the expense of the other guys. The guy that won the Battle Royal, his name was Yams. He's a great worker. I'm a huge fan of him. He's a power wrestler. If he's a power wrestler, you should not, in the first five minutes of the Battle Royal, be doing power moves. It's just that simple. I don't care if it's your gimmick or what. Nobody has seen you before. This is your first shot at Rampage Pro Wrestling. So we'll watch it when it comes back and see if I'm remembering everything correctly. But I remember watching this. Uh, I stood kind of behind the crowd with Killian, actually. And we watched, and just every few seconds, something irked us. And we didn't want that to happen, but it did. Now, the finish was good. Uh, like I said, Yams went over, last eliminating Ja Cole, another uh, power wrestler and the big guy. So that'll be an interesting feud to see. There were some really good matches on this show. But overall, I think a major problem that independent wrestling has is the shows are way too long. The show, I think, went from 7 to 10, which is short for an independent show. But I feel like five, six matches tops and two, two and a half hours tops is a really good um, 
window to shoot for. If you you know if you watch NXT, which as we all know is our favorite indie, it's certainly my favorite NXT, indie. Yes, if you watch NXT, those events, those takeover events, rarely go the televised portion over two and a half hours. And there's usually about five matches, and everything's hot. The crowd's hot. It ends hot. It leaves you wanting more. Now, what you get today when you watch Monday Night Raw at three hours, and it open and it opens with a 20-minute dialogue, you get a you know decreasing return on an investment, or a diminishing uh, rate of return, or whatever you want to call it. When you're doing a 20-minute dialogue every Monday, you're not building yourself up. Less is more. You know, it used to be you could go back in the 90s and you watch a Stone Cold promo. They didn't go more than three to five minutes. And he was the hottest guy. Now, we also have this oversaturation with social media and everything like that. And I think this is taking away the true star power that uh, wrestlers have because they're so accessible. Wrestling has always been one of the most accessible sports or forms of entertainment that there's ever been. You know, the, the wrestlers have always gone out of their way. It's always been in the culture of wrestling to meet your fans, to give your fans what they want, to do signings, to do, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas, you know, there's movie stars that are famous for never leaving their trailer, never doing appearances. You meet them, they're a-holes, whatever. So... I think that's a major problem with independent wrestling and pro wrestling as a whole. I think things need to be shorter. They need to be more impactful. There needs to be less um, exposure. And I know that sounds crazy because what you're always taught is you need to get exposure. You need to get your name out there. But once it's out there, once you're over, pull it back some. You know, Brock Lesnar is a attraction because you can't see him. He doesn't tweet. You know, he doesn't go out and do things. He lives, I believe, on a, you know, farm somewhere in the north, uh, you know, uh, Midwest, somewhere in the north uh, with his wife and children and uh, lives kind of humbly for a man that has done what he's done. You know, Goldberg, he's a little more accessible, but you don't see him all the time. And I'm not making the case for part-timers. You can still do this same thing and be a full-timer. Um, you know, it's always been done, like Stone Cold, The Rock, you know, when they were out there. But I think that that's a huge problem. How many people, Ryan, would you say are truly over in the WWE right now? Who, who are the truly over guys? Only a handful. I mean, at this point in time, if, if we were going through names i mean we go through the whole roster and figure out who is and who isn't but a handful i mean most outside of guys who just debuted um i can't think of too many off the top of my head i mean who are over the way they're supposed to be right and i'm I'm not saying i'm saying over in a sense of not um with the wwe crowd but beyond that not getting a pop when your entrance music hits any you know anybody can do that but I mean, like having a mass appeal or having a special attraction. When you put your name on the card, tickets sell, you know, pay-per-views or network subscriptions sell, stuff like that. Do you know what was the um, biggest buy rate that WrestleMania has ever done? I do, actually. That would be WrestleMania 28. 
um, at over 1.3 million buys, and that was uh, main evented by John Cena versus The Rock, Once in a Lifetime. Once in a Lifetime Part 1. Of course, they didn't call it that at the time. but that's It was Once it in a Lifetime at that point. Right. Uh, which is why I'm assuming they headlined the, the next Mania, because the buy rate was so high. Twice. Now, of course, starting with uh, WrestleMania 30, was that the first one on the network? Um, 30 or 31? I believe it was two. 31. 31 was the first one on the network, to my knowledge. The, the that, network, that's probably right. The network launched in 2014, and that was 30. Uh, no, that was 30. So, no, you're right. That WrestleMania 30 was the first network uh, was the first network uh, WrestleMania, which is part of the reason that 28 number will never get topped. It'll never get topped. And it's really interesting um, that, you know, the network has changed everything. It's changed uh, bonus payouts. Uh, nobody's come out, to my knowledge. Um, I think if anyone would know, it would be Wrestling Observer, uh, Dave Meltzer, but he still doesn't know. So, I mean, nobody's come out with how this is working now. I've seen Chris Jericho post on Instagram, sent uh, checks for 68 cents. I don't know what that's from. Hopefully it's not from the network. <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they're, they're at about 1.6, 1.7 million subscribers to the network. Some of those, I believe, uh, got a buy one month, get two months free. Some of those are still in their first month. Um, but a lot of those they've retained. They have, you know, it's safe to say they have, you know, well over a million paid full-time subscribers that have been there for the long run and will be there for the long run. I believe they are, I think the best guesstimate last I heard was 1.2 to 1.3 million subscribers. That's probably about right. Probably got a kick recently, you know, from January till now. It'll probably drop off um, as the year goes on slowly and hit its bottom in, um, you know, September, October, November, somewhere in there and then start kicking back up again in January of next year. It's just this cyclical nature. It's what it's always been. Summertime is a hard draw. The fall is a hard draw. Now what's interesting is I believe this year uh, on Christmas day is a Monday and there's going to be a live Monday night raw, which I don't think we've had uh, in a long time. They usually tape or it's usually not on Christmas day. Um, but that is a huge day. It used to be. Uh, for wrestling as far as a live crowd draw now I don't know what it's going to do for the ratings but nobody's doing anything that day and uh, I think it'll be good but uh, where were we oh we were talking about network versus pay-per-view buys now I don't know how this works and of course they don't release their numbers which I would kill to see because I'm very uh, very interested in this but even if every network subscriber watched Wrestlemania it would not meet that Wrestlemania 28 number I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's still available on pay-per-view through your cable provider. Not, but I, not very many. Um, not very most, many. Most, very cable, many most cable providers no longer do um, WrestleMania, or excuse me, WWE pay-per-views. The reason being that a they irked a lot of people um when they went to the network model, so the cable providers and the, the pay-per-view distributors were not happy about it, so they simply dropped it. Now, that's not everybody, and that's mainly in the U.S. You can still do 
internationally there are still pay-per-view buys in the UK or in Europe, I mean, um, but the majority of the network subscribers are in the U.S., and that's the majority of where their pay-per-view numbers dropped before most pay-per-view distributors stopped distributing to the U.S. As you Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. It's It'd be funny to see a chart with strictly pay-per-view buys because it's got to be, I don't even know if it's going to be a couple hundred thousand people that are still buying it on pay-per-view. I doubt even that. But... I think that they're still not going to hit. If you add in what they did on pay-per-view and what they did with the network, I doubt they're they're breaking that record at WrestleMania 28. Now, that was a lot of things. Um, you had The Undertaker and Triple H in a Hell in a Cell, I believe. This was Miami, right? Undertaker, Triple H, Hell in a Cell. Um... With Sean as the ref. Yes, because that was the same. That was 28 as well, so you're correct. Right. And you had Rock and Cena, of course. Uh, I don't really remember anything else that was on that show. Those are the two matches I remember. Um, I do remember that I got Chick-fil-A that day, and it's a lifelong mystery for me because, as we all know, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. And I was watching WrestleMania, and I was eating Chick-fil-A that I had just gotten, and I have no idea how that happened. And I'll probably never figure that out. But anyway, side note. Um, yeah, that was the biggest one ever. And the, that was The Rock coming back. He had been back the year before to host. And it turned out to, that would be the biggest build. I believe the night after the year before is WrestleMania, they announced the match on Raw, Rock, Cena. And they took a year to build that feud. Correct. So it took, I mean, it was no small feat. You know, at any point, Cena could have gotten injured. Rock could have had commitments come up. Um, but they built that feud for a whole year, and that's where it got them. Um, so I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that. I don't know if there is a bigger star than The Rock that can come back. And I don't know if he'll ever come back again uh, to wrestle a match. You know, maybe, you know, like a little thing like he did with uh, Eric Rowan. Or whatever, but that you know that's not really a match. But um, you know he did do that thing at WrestleMania 31. I was watching WrestleMania 31. I know I'm going off on a lot of tangents here, but it all ties together in my head. I was watching WrestleMania 31, and he did the thing with Ronda Rousey. Now it's interesting that nothing ever came of that because I always heard it was going to be a mixed tag, Rock and Ronda versus Steph and uh, Triple H, or something along those lines, but. I don't know. And nothing ever came of it. Um, we'll see if anything ever happens because I feel like I feel like Ronda Rousey is still a huge star. I mean, she lost a lot of steam. Don't get me wrong. But I think if she comes back, has she had a fight since she lost to Holly Holmes? Yes, she uh, lost. Was that was that a Nunez or who was that? Uh, uh, give me a second while our crack research team gets on that. Right. Okay. But anyway, I think all she has to do is come back, have one fight, and win it. Um, and, you know, they could do this, because the UFC does have a work quality to it. You know, everyone knew Brock was going to beat um, Hunt, Mark Hunt. What was his name? I can't remember. Um, I'm not a huge UFC fan, but everyone knew when Brock came back that he was going to win. There was no way... 
I just got weird interference. Um, You're good. Continue on. Uh, so you can still hear me. Um, sorry, I was looking up Ronda Rousey's uh, uh, record. Uh, okay, that, no, that's fine. Sorry, if um, if you do want that information, I have it in front of me now. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so she lost to Holly Holm at UFC 193 in November of 2015. Um, of course, got knocked out. And then two, uh, UFC 207, which was December 30th, uh, this past December 30th, she lost to Nunez in the first round, TKO. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah so I would say that she's, but she's probably, she's since said that she was contemplating retirement and I have not heard an update on that. Well, you know, I think everyone likes a good comeback story and I think Ronda Rousey for over a year, uh, a couple of years was the hottest name in any sport. Um, so I think that if she comes back and she wins, and then they put her on a WrestleMania card, especially with The Rock. I think that might be able to break it. Um, but we'll see, you know. There's a, there's a few interesting points about that um, WrestleMania 31, though. It, I, I watched it um, a few days ago. Just a few matches, because the whole event, you know, I couldn't watch. First off, it was a unique feeling, WrestleMania. It didn't get, uh, it didn't get dark, because they were in California. It didn't get dark until the main event. So I think Bray Wyatt and Undertaker actually worked in the daylight. They did. And it didn't take a whole lot away. It took a little bit away. It didn't take a whole lot away. But what struck me was how healthy the Undertaker looked compared to this year, which is only two years difference. I mean, he looked buff. He looked less, you know, he had less wrinkles. I don't know if there's an unreported illness or accident that happened, but that two years, there's a world of change in that two years for The Undertaker. It's called um, hitting 50. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. And the other thing that struck me was Roman Reigns was so lean in that main event. Was that right before he got busted for wellness policy? No, the 32 um, was right before he got busted for the wellness policy that was last year well i'll have to go back and watch last year and see if he looked different but if you watch that wrestlemania 31 main event which is i really love that match i'm sorry if you know people are oh, i hate roman reigns whatever that match between him and brock great match unique um felt like a fight everything was everything hit you know um just really good i mean that was the birth of suplex city and I don't think anyone was expecting that match. And I think that match was one of the few matches where they knew exactly what the crowd was thinking was going to happen and then used that to make the match better. Now, this happens a lot in wrestling where they, they know what the crowd is thinking, so they try to swerve and, and go a different way. And sometimes what should happen should happen. What time, sometimes what the fans think is going to happen should be the thing that happens. Um, for instance, the Chris Jericho-Kevin Owens breakup. Everyone knew as soon as they got together, they were going to break up and they were going to wrestle at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it shouldn't happen, and it did happen, which is good. But I think that um, at WrestleMania 31, everyone had an idea based on everything you know, meta outside of the wrestling 
that you were actually watching. Everything that you read, heard, and saw led you to believe that they were going to put Roman over Strong, over um, Brock, who had just beaten The Undertaker at WrestleMania the last year. And this would have pissed everybody off. Um, but they didn't do that. They Roman came in strong, um, actually cut Brock uh, under the left eye, I believe. Uh, and then Brock took him to Suplex City, ragdolled him around. Roman uh, kicked out of a few F5s, came back. And at this point, you could tell the entire crowd was like, oh, here we go. It's just going to be a Superman punch and a spear, and Roman's going to go over, and this is going to be an awful match. But they didn't do that. They went a whole other direction. They brought Seth Rollins out, which I thought was a great twist. Um, and that whole match, I mean, even before the Seth part, is one of my favorite matches because it's so unique and it's so good. Um, so WrestleMania 31 is a good one. Um, WrestleMania 32, I think they they didn't have enough talent. Everyone was injured or out or whatever, and um, they didn't. And this year's WrestleMania was good, but it was just kind of good. You know what I mean? There's nothing particularly bad, but um, it was just kind of one note good. Um, but yeah, so I think that if they're ever going to break that WrestleMania 28 record, they're going to need some huge stars to come in and they're going to need to build some of their homegrown stars because when you rely too heavily on uh, part-timers or special attraction stars, you take away, you know, I mean, and this is not a new thing. Obviously we talked last week, WrestleMania one was, you know, there was Mr. T, there was Muhammad Ali, but these were people that built and put over their star, Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, Mr. T never fought Hulk Hogan and laid down for him or anything, but the association built him. So, you know, maybe The Rock could come back uh, with a young guy. Now, of course, they've always talked about Rock versus Roman. That would, prob that would be interesting. Um, I don't know if... I don't know what the crowd would do in that, you know? I think um, I do. <laughs> well, I know what they would do, but I don't, you know, The Rock would want to put Roman over. And I think that the crowd would know that. And I don't know if they would be so accepting of The Rock coming back to do that. Do you really know if Rock would want to put Roman over, though? Just, just really think about it for a minute. I don't know. I mean, uh, all signs to me point to that. Yes, that's what the outcome would be. You don't beat The Undertaker and then lose to The Rock. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that that's not what would happen. I'm just, your statement was, you know The Rock would want to put over Roman. I am simply disputing The Rock wanting to. Well, they're family, and but, I think Well, I mean, to a degree. I mean, come on now. Every, every Samoan is related, don't you know? Except Samoa Joe. The one guy with yeah. Samoa in his name. That's true. Are we sure and... he's not, like fourth cousin to somebody, you know, like, you know, so American Samoa is not a huge island, you know. I think I'm sure that he isn't because if he was, he would have been on WWE 10 years ago. Absolutely. Um, now, there are, uh, there's a guy in the Northeast independent wrestling team named Lance. He's in Anawahi. He hasn't been on yet. Looks just like the Usos, um, you know. So, you know, there's still more to come, obviously. Um, and I'm not knocking it because 
I mean, look at the stars that that family has produced. Uh, you know, huge names, the biggest name in the business, um, The Rock. You know, I think The Rock's probably surpassed Hogan at this point as far as mass appeal and Hollywood and all that. Um, and I think he's got, you know, he's got a ton of mass appeal. Um, not trying to say anything, but he's, you know, biracial, so he stretches that border. He just reaches more people in a, you know, more real way. You know, The Rock was never uh, as pandering as Hogan was. And I know it was a different time in the 80s where Hogan, you know, could say, say your prayers and eat your vitamins. Well, The Rock never had to do that. So people think of The Rock as a lot cooler than they think Hulk Hogan was, I, I assume, older, older fans. You know, did you know, Ryan, that the average age of the WWE viewer is about 40 years old? Isn't that crazy? Not particularly. As a, as a smart younger. mark, that doesn't make it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. For every kid, there's a parent, and there's a lot more people who either don't have kids or who have kids whose kids don't watch the product that still do indeed watch the product. Well, I think what surprised me about it was that they had a larger demographic for young children in the Attitude Era. <laughs> well, Which those, those people have grown like. up. Right, but I'm saying that if they're going to reach out to the young demographic because this, you know, that's what you got to do, eventually these 40-year-old people, you know, you and me who are not 40, but one day we're all going to pass on. And if they don't replenish that viewership well, you know, what's going to happen? I don't think anyone starts watching wrestling at 40 years old. One day. I think those are, wait, I don't, those are people that have watched it. I don't want to kill your point, but one day we're all going to pass on? Like, that's depressing. I mean, like, I get your point. If we end up with Eric Chappell as our EMT, then, yeah, we're all we're all doomed. But, you know. <laughs> yes, because um, Eric Chappell is a bad EMT. I had to bring it back around. Um so we've been going for a little bit. I do want to get into the um, oh, I hate the branding, but I have to call it that because that's what it is. The superstar shakeup. Let's not call it a draft. Let's not call them trades. I would have liked trades that would have appeased my sensibilities a bit more, but um, that's Remember what we've the, got. Um, the superstar I'm shakeup, which Monday Night Raw had absolutely zero explanation. We were just told, hey, this thing's going to happen. And then the Miz as John Cena comes wandering out. And there's no yeah, explanation. The guys just showed up. Yeah, it was just, just showed up. And the announcers, the commentators, uh, just are like, oh, well, if they show up, they're on the show. Well, does that mean if they show up, they can't be on the next show? Like. Does that, Are they what, making the call? Is the general manager making the call? Like, we didn't get any explanation. I don't... Now, I did not watch the pre-show. I don't have that kind of time. But maybe that's what I missed, is... I like, just find it hilarious that a three-hour weekly television show necessitates a pre-show. I mean, does a, does a, does a five-and-a-half-hour pay-per-view require a two-hour pre-show? No, it doesn't. Maybe not two hours, but something like that. That's the place to do that. You know, I guess in football they have them for every game, but well, that's you know, pre-game. Like, I guess that's what they're trying to do. But even then, like it, I think they go further than they need to. 
Um, I don't know what their view. I think if it didn't, if it wasn't drawing viewers, I don't think they'd do it. Although, you know, some of those network shows are still a thing. But <laughs> Swerved—it's um, my favorite show. Hey, I liked Swerved. <laughs> I think there's always a place for a good hidden camera bit. Um, sure. But... Now, okay, back to the show. Do you think? That calling of the Super Shark Shakeup, are they going to do a draft? No. And when would be the right time, or is it just going to be next year? After I would May? assume they're not doing a draft. I heard murmurs they were going to do one in the summer, but I would have to assume that this is in lieu of that. Uh, it just wouldn't make any sense for you to do this, especially with the names that moved. We'll get into that. Um, why you would consider doing that at that point? Why were you? Why would you do a draft after doing all this? I only thing i i didn't mind the concept i didn't like the name and i didn't like the execution in how they went about it it's like you really didn't want to lead up to it it was just oh that person's music hit you should pop now like i feel like that's the reason they didn't explain anything so it was <laughs> maybe they didn't want to make the uh, video graphics for it i mean they had to make the video graphics for the people coming out they ha- they are in different colors you know that's true. So uh, I guess I don't unless you're Bray Wyatt, because Bray Wyatt about, gets his own gets his own uh, his own unique Chiron. Oh, he has like little lower third made out of uh, fly, fireflies. Correct. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I think that's a little cheesy sometimes. Um, it looks cool during his entrance. <laughs> It fits. Well, like, Undertaker's it's, one was pretty cheesy. It was, like, purple. Undertaker's and... one was pretty cheesy, but that's because it... The one thing with Bray Wyatt's is because of how they do the fireflies and how they do the stage, it actually kind of blends really well. It's not jarring visually. With it's The true. Undertaker's, it was kind of jarring. Now, if you used his, the, the regular Raw or SmackDown uh, graphic over Bray Wyatt with all the black... It would be really jarring, so it makes a lot of sense for them to do that, uh, at least for him. That's one of the few things they've done right with him. Yeah, it, and it's interesting. I think it's interesting that they're still going to finish out the certain feuds: Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton. I uh, wanted Chris to Jericho, ask you. Kevin Owens. I wanted to ask you about that. So, um, before we swing into that, let's just quickly run down the list for Raw: sure. Miz and Maurice. SmackDown Live to Raw. These are all SmackDown Live to Raw. Miz and Maurice, which caught me a little bit off guard given how well Miz has been doing on SmackDown, but I guess that makes sense. Um, Dean Ambrose in the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, Apollo Crews, Kalisto, Heath Slater and Rhino, I Got Kids, and Kurt Hawkins. Um, So I count... Three people who don't matter in any way, shape, or form at this current time, that being Cruz, Kalisto, and Hawkins. Kalisto is, I'm sure, headed for the cruiserweight division, which I don't understand why he wasn't there to begin with. Um, Cruz is in desperate need of a uh, a reboot to his character. And Kurt Hawkins, I was excited about because they were giving him vignettes and everything, and I don't think he's won a match. In oh, I seven think months, specifically there to get beaten one second or or whatever like that. Now, what do you think they're doing with Big Show? Are they trying to shine him back up for something? This is my interpretation that he was kind of 
out the door. Well, his contract reportedly expires next February. So if you're going to use him, you might as well use him as something of an attraction over the next year or nine months or so that you've got him. They might, I could see where they would extend his contract into WrestleMania to give him kind of one more uh, yeah, WrestleMania I don't know. moment. I, I but I don't know. They tried, to, uh, they tried to put him with Lesnar, and then Lesnar just, I think, like beat him up before the match even started or something like that and just totally killed any any chance that I see of, of Big Show, which is crazy because he's a legitimate giant of, uh, of having. So I don't know how, uh, how well they could do that. I mean, this was obviously something well big show is big show has uh, been overexposed for years yeah so um well big show didn't move big show just came out and punched kurt hawkins and that was the end of it but um so miz and maurice dean ambrose so we're getting more i i would say we're getting more character based uh individuals on raw and we're getting more uh in ring based to SmackDown. So SmackDown really is becoming kind of the workers show, at least from a uh, from a fan's perspective. For the Did most Did you notice how um, everyone that came to Raw kept their gimmicks the same, but everyone that went to SmackDown or most people that went to SmackDown uh, had a gimmick change? I wouldn't say everyone. <laughs> Not everyone, but Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens had say. a bit of a gimmick change. Uh, the shining stars. The shining. Well, now I don't know if that's so much of a gimmick change as just them being taken seriously for five minutes. Uh, I would say that's a gimmick change for them. <laughs> I guess that's true. I, I mean, Rusev's going to be the same gimmick, we would assume. Sami Zayn. So. Sami Zayn hasn't changed. Well, Rusev's hurt, so we won't know for a little while. Um, the New Day is going to be the same, at least from all indications. Sinkara, right. Jinder Mahal. And Tamina really aren't going to change all that much. Tamina just is coming back from from injury. Um, well, I think that gender, I mean, it kind of started, but I think that he's being taken more seriously in this Mojo feud, which is a more SmackDown thing. I mean, uh, we had Gronk at SmackDown. That's something. Well, you they know, were... Usually, they don't put the special attraction people on SmackDown. Well, I mean, but Gronk is. That's because Mojo's on SmackDown. I think Mojo's better protected on SmackDown anyway, so it makes sense to me. Um, I think that if they're going to really make it the workers' show versus the, you know, kind of cartoonish over-the-top show, then Mojo's better suited on Raw. But we'll see. You know, I don't... I haven't asked this to anyone yet, so I'll get your opinion on it. Is it possible? Do you think it would be a possibility... Or, you know, if they would ever do it, to make Raw the PG show and make SmackDown the TV-14 show. I don't see them doing it because that, you're, you don't have any legs to stand on for saying that we're a family-friendly product when even though they are different shows, it's still the same product. You're not offering anything, you know, you, the, it's, the vibe is different from the two shows but if you're just a casual fan it really probably isn't all that different so you're you're kind of appeasing one group while not making a whole lot of sense because you're also inviting the older smarky crowd 
to not watch Raw and start watching SmackDown because they finally get what they wanted for all this time. I guess that's true. And if you're trying to get younger fans, a three-hour show isn't the way to do it. That's just too long for, you know, most people's attention spans, certainly younger people. Um, Now, what about this? What about a pay-per-view? They used to do bragging rights in the day. What about a dual-branded pay-per-view where there was a match where the winning side's brand got to steal a superstar from the other show? That's called Survivor Series. Uh, Could you see see something like that uh, stipulation being added in lieu of another draft uh, or minor shakeup? I would be fine with it if they don't make it a a special pay-per-view that's all around that idea. We've seen that before. Bragging rights is a really good example of that. It did not last long because the concept was kind of dumb. You're better suited... Use that for one of the use that for one of your big four. Right, but I mean in bragging rights there was nothing on the line. Now they've built a pay per view around money in the bank, which a lot of people argue should still be on WrestleMania or something like that. And I don't I I don't don't disagree. And money in the bank I think as a concept made more sense as a pay per view when you had two briefcases. Now the question is, are we going to go back to two briefcases, given that we now have two top titles, which we, I don't believe we had last Money in the Bank. I think the draft happened right after that, if my memory is correct. Yeah, who even won that? Was it Ambrose? Dean Ambrose, Dean Ambrose yeah. if you remember, won that uh, Money in the Bank and then cashed it in that night to walk out as WWE champion. And then, of course, he held that title through the draft and was drafted to SmackDown. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I always kind of liked having the one, kind of like with the Royal Rumble. And I always liked, um, I really liked when they played on, if you won one of those matches, if you won the Royal Rumble, and I guess you could do the same thing with Money in the Bank, you could choose which champion, which brand, you used that one. I thought that allowed for a lot of storytelling and a lot of drama when you needed it. And when you didn't need it, you could just stay on the same brand and it was, you know, nothing changed. Um, I really like that. Um, that was a great story with Evolution and Batista and Triple H. Um, and of course, uh, I believe Benoit switched from SmackDown to Raw unexpectedly. And there was the whole Shawn Michaels and Triple H saying, you know, we want to settle this between us. You know, this has nothing to do with you. And then, of course, he worked into that. It was a triple threat. And I don't know if anyone was really expecting him to walk out as champion. Now, I'm not trying to obviously glorify or, or stay on that too long. But um, I think that there was a lot of good room. That's See, that's the best wrestling um, gimmicks, the stipulations, the gimmicks, the match types, the events that leave threads for the writers and the audience to pull on and lead you in interesting and compelling uh, roads to to the next show, to the next storyline. That's the best. When you just have it flat and you just say, you know, like kind of flat to have Dean Ambrose win the money in the bank and then cash it in that same night. Whereas it's more compelling to have do something like Seth Rollins did, cash it in, hold it. Now, you, you remember that was a part of his character. He had it with him all the time. So you knew Seth Rollins was running the bank, and then they totally made you forget about it in that match with um, 
Randy, Randy Orton. Orton. And no one was expecting him to come back. So I think we need more of those things. So I would say just do one Money in the Bank. Well, the Money in the Bank is the perfect uh, deus ex machina because you can use it to completely jump in on any storyline at any time and completely change the concept the concept of a show at that moment. So it Yeah, I really it, also liked when um when Punk won it, I believe two years back to back. And um I think the first year cashed it in on Edge or yes, he cashed did. it in on a he a cashed heel. it in on Edge and that's when he uh held it for a couple of months and in I think he was I think he was actually injured but basically randy orton took him out of the championship match it was supposed to be like a fatal four-way or something and he was taken out of it uh, yeah it was like and then he won it again the next scramble year. or it was like a, it was the mike adamley year oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it was um i think it was the championship scramble i kind of missed those yeah i i never really was a fan of that match type where you know it didn't matter if you won it as long as you were the winner at the end of it I don't know, not for me, but um, what I what I was gonna say is I liked when Punk cashed it in the first year, went over a huge as a babyface, and then the next year he cashed it in on I think Jeff Hardy yep. and biggest heel. So that kind of reversal back to back years. Uh, I don't know if they had that planned. I'm sure they they didn't, but uh, that was good. But that's all when you have one. I think when you have two, it kind of gets clouded up. The briefcase looks dumb when it's all blue and all red to me. Um, so I would say just do one and then, yeah, maybe put that stipulation of stealing. You get one superstar to steal, um, at, at survivor series. That would be a good one. Or I could see you putting that in the, um, not December. That's too close to the Royal rumble, but maybe September, October, somewhere in there, because you will have come off of uh, Royal rumble and, you know, say, um, say the raw side one and they take uh randy orton or, or aj styles or a big name like that you could take a big name or you could even use it to um you know after you build it up say the first couple of years they do it they take big names and then the third year they take a guy who you thought was a mid carter but the fact that he was chosen as that steal that gives him this aura of being among these big names and, and kind of makes them bigger. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff they can do. I like having the two brands. I wish they were just a little more different. Um, the vibe they're working on making different. And I think that's been going well, but I think that the championships need to look different, have different names besides raw tag team, SmackDown tag team. I would like to have one show, have uh, the tag team division, one show, have the women's division or something like that. Well, that's that uh, was all stuff that was talked about at the draft, but at this point, we kind of know what we have, and and we're into it um, beyond beyond what's going to be changed anytime soon. Um, yeah, I do have uh, because we're getting close to the end here. Uh, really quick, who was your most surprising move from uh, during the Superstar Shakeup? Um, surprising. Well, I knew about Charlotte ahead of time. I think that got leaked. I uh, knew about the New Day. I was surprised that they didn't actually have the New Day there. They just did a video package. Well, Kofi um, being I, hurt, I think, was part of that. And yeah, it, it helps to sell uh, the revival a little bit because, remember, they beat up the New Day two weeks in a row. It makes sense the New Day would 
not be on SmackDown the night after they lost to Revival if they're trying to make Revival look strong. That's true. I, I, I guess I would have to say Bray Wyatt was the most surprising one to me. I agree. I thought that they would keep him on SmackDown. And I'm, do you know what this uh, Treehouse of Horrors match is going to be? Well, it's just the House of Horrors. Treehouse of Horrors is, of course, the Simpsons Halloween episodes every year. Um, oh, okay. The House of Horrors match, no one knows. So I'm expecting something from... Um, Oh, whatever that match was, and you might remember the name when I say it, that Raven had years and years ago mixed with the Asylum match we saw last year between Chris Jericho and Dean Ambrose. Well, yeah, the Asylum match. 69 uh, tax. What's that? 69 tax. (laughs) Yes, 69 tax. The Asylum match was the cage with the hanging weapons, which we've seen... In TNA, uh, we've seen in WCW, I think. Um, the Raven match was the Clockwork Orange House of Fun, I That's believe the was one. the name. Um, but if you go back further, I think in the early slash mid-90s, there was a WCW Chamber of Horrors match. Oh, no. Uh, not that one. <laughs> Please, not that one. You know what we should do? I, we should break down that match one time. We should, like... Just talk through that match, have it up on the network or something, and just talk it through because it's insane. It's just it, that's it's the one so with that bad. Billy the Butcher getting electrocuted in an electric chair, right? Yes, yes. It's also hey. the one where it Mick Foley as Cactus Jack was in that match too, and hearing it talked about is hilarious and kind of tragic. Uh, Dusty Rhodes had some wonderful ideas. He also had some really, really terrible ones. This goes up there as far as one of the really terrible ones. Um, yeah. So I don't. I, I. I. mean, what do you think? If just hearing House of Horrors. Well, I mean, you... I think it's it's somewhere. It's it's going to involve weapons, and it's going to be. I think it's going to be eerily reminiscent of that. Um, that. Uh, the asylum match that we saw last year or it's going to be final deletion which would be like serious final deletion think new day goes to the wyatt compound from last year something in that neighborhood now that's a setup where bray wyatt wins but we kind of all know that's not going to happen so i don't really know what it's going to be a couple other things i want to hit on um i can safely say that I popped big again for both Ty Dillinger and Shinsuke Nakamura. I am such a mark. Um, but, because I didn't want to go through the whole podcast and not mention Nakamura or Dillinger. Um, specifically, yeah, I though, I... They just gotta be careful with Dillinger. I think that he could be forgotten about if they don't do anything with him. I don't, he doesn't have a feud or anything yet. Um, he's, now, he's Shinsuke, no waging... one's gonna forget about He's waging a war against jobbers at the moment. At the moment, yeah. He will probably face off against Jinder next week. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts on, because we talked about it and we teased it a little bit, and we're about out of time, but we saw a couple of very dangerous botches or spots that didn't quite go right earlier. On, uh, I saw it more on Raw than on SmackDown, but... A couple of huge noticeable ones that came up. One was uh, the moonsault to the outside 
uh, in the Charlotte Nia Jax match in which I was sitting watching it and I saw it happen live and immediately knew that somebody was not in the right place and given how Charlotte throws those every match or at least every big match Nia Jax was not in the right place got kicked in the head for her troubles and Charlotte went face first into the into the uh, outside padding um, that was also not the only botch in that match no there was one um, slightly earlier and the weird thing about this match was that um, the drifter was going through the crowd I believe yes so... yes the the, <laughs> the first time I've actually kind of popped for Elias Sampson because I didn't see it but I saw the gifts that came out right after it happened. Yeah. And I actually kind of popped for Elias Sampson and I'm a little ashamed. Yeah. Um, I think it's good. I think it'd be better if he showed up on SmackDown also before settling down to one brand. That would be um, good. That would be really working on that drifter idea. Yeah. I think they could do that. But anyway, um, I think that though, I think it took away a little bit from the Nia Jax, charlotte match and i think that people weren't really paying attention it was early on and um charlotte comes off she runs off the ropes and misses with a strike nia Jax picks her up uh looking like she's gonna go for a a shoulder breaker to the knee and just drops charlotte you know now this is a this is a uh, uh, an athlete that they're trying to build up as strong beast like um and she can't hold charlotte's weight safely and guide her down to the mat uh now i've heard that charlotte's okay uh thankfully um but it was a nasty bump landed right on top of her head she did uh, make an appearance the next night on smackdown yeah and um so yeah that's all naya right there i mean charlotte had given her body to naya and um, Naya did not uh, protect it. Now, Moonsault was also Naya Jax's fault. Um, she was way out of position. Uh, she was way too far away. You could see her try to step forward as Charlotte was midair. Didn't quite get close enough. Um, had the, the boot of Charlotte come down, the left boot come down, hit her squarely in the face, which I'm sure didn't feel well. Uh, but... Uh, Charlotte, again, hit her head on the outside, which is slightly better than the ring. The ring is a lot harder than those outside mats, um, believe it or not. But, yeah, Naya just – she just needs to work on, on those things because, um, yeah, as you can see, little simple things can really become big, dangerous things. And we also, we also saw in that uh, – on Raw – where Finn Balor in his first singles match back after being hurt at SummerSlam last year gets concussed in the middle of the ring from Jinder Mahal. Yeah, that looked nasty. I don't know if he was selling that, but I've seen guys crumble uh, like he crumbled in UFC and stuff like that. So I don't know if he was selling or if he legitimately got knocked out for a second or two there. That's that's everyone's uh, theory. That's kind of what it looked like, too. Yeah, because that's that's kind of when you get knocked out, you just don't just fall. Your your body just kind of crumbles down like like he did, and um, yeah, Jinder comes off with a nasty forearm. You can see it in his face. You can see it in Nia's face when she messed up too. They kind of broke character, and um, 
showed concern, which isn't always the best thing to do in uh, pro wrestling. Um, but regardless, it was a hard enough hit. And you could see at the end of that match, there was also a spot where Finn was uh, kind of leaning back through the middle and top rope and ate a boot from uh, Jinder that looked pretty stiff also. And you could see at the end of it, uh, Finn was pretty bruised up. And then, of course, two days later, we get news that uh, he's concussed and will be out for an indeterminate amount of time. Hopefully it's quick. We don't want to get the reputation that Finn is injury prone or anything like that. And we don't want to cut off any momentum that he's trying to build. He's super over, but, you know, so was Daniel Bryan. And we don't want to have another one of those. Well, I don't think Finn is even particularly injury prone. He just had two very unlucky incidents in a row. And now the one thing that's going to kind of work in Finn's favor is that Bray Wyatt is actually, uh, he's kind of uh, preoccupied for the immediate future. So he's at least going to have about a month to kind of buy before he has to really kind of be in that feud if that's the direction they still want to go in. Do you think Bray goes over in the championship match with the Wharton? No, because not not unless Brock Lesnar has free reign to go whichever brand he wants because suddenly you've got both world titles on the same brand. Although I had considered that, and if you're going to have – your kind of mid-card title be the only singles title that's up for grabs, uh, not including the women's title, of course. Kevin Owens as United States champion makes a lot of sense on SmackDown all of a sudden. So, well, arguably, KO versus AJ Styles, which is what they set up, is a main event caliber match because, you know, Kevin Owens was the universal champ for the last six, eight months, well, and AJ Styles is a, you know, a main eventer on SmackDown, so... Those are your biggest stars there, and they're working together. So who's to say that they're not building up the U.S. championship to be that main title on SmackDown? Well, we're going to have to wait until Backlash to figure out how that's going to go because, I mean, that's uh, I believe that would be the, the time they would actually wrestle for the U.S. championship, and that's, that's a good ways off. So um, we will see how all that plays out. But uh, we have gone over time, but we're going to try and cut it a little bit shorter over time than we have recently. Um are you wrestling anywhere this weekend? Uh, no, not this weekend. I'm helping a friend move. What's uh? And what's, what, when are you up next? You know, uh, possibly the 28th. Uh, I believe I'll be on that show. I'm pretty sure about it. I know. Is that I don't not official it. yet? It's a, It's pretty official. Can um, can can we make it official? Official, so I can go buy tickets. Well, yes, and well, you'll just buy them through me because that's how it works. Correct, uh, <laughs> but like you need to be on the uh, show yeah. officially. Well, you know, official or not, um, we like that promotion. Adrenaline Championship Wrestling will be in Hagerstown, Maryland. I think it's the Hagerstown High School or something like that. That's a Friday, uh, April twenty eighth, and then uh, Saturday, May third. I want to say I'll be back in Dover for Rampage Pro Wrestling. And, um, you know, up in June, we'll be back with Baltimore Championship Wrestling. And things will fill in in between. Um, but, you know, right now I'm still working on uh, getting my uh, physical appearance where it needs to be. And I've got some pretty cool um, accessories that I am in the midst of procuring, uh, which you'll see at an upcoming show, uh, kind of fleshing out uh, what I really am, which is king of the seas, god of water, the deadliest catch, the reckless mariner, professional wrestling's Aquaman, Lee Brando. 
Well, all right. Uh, to confirm your last point, that ACW show is Friday, April 28th, 7 p.m., South Hagerstown High School. Um, I'm probably going to end up going regardless. Not to but be confused with I, East, West, or North Hagerstown High School. I, there could be. I don't know Hagerstown quite that well. <laughs> I'm going to get a chance to go up there. Um, but I might go to that show. I think if I remember correctly, I, is is Killian on that show yet? Is he going um, to be on that show? He's in the same boat that I'm in. We really. can't speak for yeah. that officially because obviously it hasn't been announced. But I believe, I would assume he'd probably end up on that show. Sorry, Killian, yeah, we're in, talking for you. He's in the same boat as me. I, I know that um, a few matches have been announced. Yes. Uh, I know uh, that Teddy Long and Gilberg will be back. Uh, Teddy Long will be there. He has officially been announced. Um, do, 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 oh, sorry, WWE Hall of Famer, Teddy Long. There correct. Although I know it pains you to say that just a little bit. Not not that he doesn't deserve it, but that he uh, is he's in the Hall of Fame and he's already sticking his nose in somebody else's business. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. Um, um, is there anything quickly that we missed? Do you want to talk about the Braun Strowman angle for 30 seconds? I just want your opinion. Um, Braun Strowman is the most overface in the company. <laughs> and if he... If I, he he, I died like, at the You Deserve It chance. I The You Deserve It chance were great. My biggest pop was when you thought it was over for like the second or third time, and mm-hmm. it was as Roman is on the stretcher and is getting uh, lifted into the ambulance by, I don't believe, I don't know if, if awful EMT Eric Chappell was working on, a, working on him at this point, but he's being <laughs> lifted in, and as soon as he gets in, you just hear, I'm not finished yet or finished with you yet, and Braun Strowman comes running in, and it's just the suddenness of him yelling that off screen, and then running in, and then beating him up, and then toppling a uh, ambulance, assisted or otherwise, is just a wonderful <laughs> thing. I think it is, and the only knock I have on it is, this isn't the type of angle you do if Roman Reigns is going to be back next week. This is the type of angle you do if Roman Reigns is going to be gone for six months or something like that. But we know Especially Roman Reigns if... is, an, is an actual superhero, so he'll actually be recovered. I assumed he was going to get up and come back that night. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, I'm glad he didn't show up on SmackDown or anything like that. I would keep him off. I mean, I remember when uh, Stone Cold was attacking Vince McMahon, and it's a little different because Vince isn't a wrestler, but, I mean, he was coming out with his leg, his arm in a cast, and a wheelchair – and so on and so on and so on. You know, that's that should be, if Roman comes back next week, that he should be in a full-body cast in a wheelchair, you know? <laughs> I I don't think that's going to be too comedic and people are going to cheer for it. So I I don't think he'll be on TV. for. A, I would be surprised if Roman is back on TV next week, but he'll be back in time for payback because that's when they're going to have that match. That's true. Let's get in the uh, social media, shall we? You can catch the Over the Barricade podcast on social media at facebook.com slash barricade show on Twitter at barricade show. Of course, you can find us on the different audio mediums, soundcloud.com slash barricade show. Look, search for Over the Barricade podcast on iTunes and on Google Play. Uh, Catch us anywhere. Give us those downloads. uh, Give us those listens. Give us those uh, likes. I need those uh, five-star reviews. Be handing them out like Meltzer. And 
I think that's it. Uh, I expect you get the email. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting about us, the email. Uh, it's such send an... us your reviews, your fan mail, your hate mail. It's your such love an outdated letters. medium that email. Um, it's really not, but it kind of feels that way anymore. And Over the also, bear... if you're listening, and you have a movie, I want to get this out because I really want to do this. If you have a movie that you want to hear Ryan and myself book as a wrestling angle, then shoot <laughs> us that in the email. I'm not 100%. You've told me this idea before, and I'm still not 100% sure how this would work. So um, I guess we need an excuse to try it. So send us a uh, send us your emails, your messages, what have you, to Over the Barricade Podcast, just as it sounds, at Gmail. Dot com. You can also send us any ideas you've got, any uh, any critiques, what have you. Send us those on our social media. We'd love to connect with you. But for now, that's it for us this week. We'll catch you next Thursday. Uh, any parting words for the uh, for the loving audience? Uh, yes, um, to our entire audience. Thank you for listening, Killian. Thanks, Killian. <laughs>